0: The following program was pre-recorded and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. We don't need no education. We don't need no
1: Get ready to take notes because school is now in session. Tackling the biggest issues in education, this is Education America. Save the classroom, save the country. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Abigail Johnson. Hey, teacher, believe kids alone. Welcome to Education America, where we're working to save the classroom so that we can save the country. K-12 education is the playing field where the battle is on for the future of our country. As the 16th president, Abraham Lincoln, succinctly stated, the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. Nice to be with you again, even though we are going to be talking about a rather depressing topic. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, this is true. We are.
1: Because, of course, we're talking about
2: Test results. And I mean to be honest, who really wants to talk about test results? Well, this no is not to do that. But
1: that isn't exactly what I meant. No, no a no. depressing topic. <laughs> yes.
2: Yes. So we will be chatting about the latest MCA scores that were released released here in Minnesota in August of this year. Um, for those of you who aren't aware, the MCAs are the Minnesota Comprehensive Assessments. And um they are generally focused in on reading and math proficiencies
1: and I gotta tell you guys, doesn't look good. It's not looking good. No. And you know, um one of the things that I always like to point out is that people have this notion that Minnesota's schools are like second to none almost, right? That, oh my goodness, you know, in the nation Minnesota schools are really outstanding and excellent. And they have been historically, historically. Mm -hmm. But what these MCAs tell us, they show a picture of decline that has actually started long before COVID hit. Mm -hmm. Um, It really started declining in about 2015 for math. And reading stayed relatively steady until about 2019. But the sad fact about this is is that today I think the big emphasis is on, well, it's all COVID. It's all COVID. You know, the kids weren't in the classrooms, which all of this was significantly contributing to these test scores because then you see them drop pretty significantly in the last couple of years. But when you consider the fact that these were starting to fall, -hmm. Several years before COVID, Mm -hmm. you have to look back at education and say, okay, well, what changed in the state of Minnesota that would lead to the declining test scores? And there's a lot of answers to that, but one of them is the Common Core State Standards. Mm -hmm. And they were initiated in the state of Minnesota, the English language standards. Many will point out that we didn't adopt the math standards, but because so many of the tests and the MCAs too were built around a common core type of math curriculum, it was adopted almost by default in the state of Minnesota. yep, because the schools felt like, well, if we don't use it, then our students aren't going to be able to test well. And so we have to really take a serious look at the type of methodology that is being used in our in our state's classrooms, and I would argue nationwide, to teach reading, to teach math. Clearly, these methods are leaving want, leaving us wanting because mm-hmm. these test scores continue to go down, 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 down. Other factors, interestingly, increased use of technology in lower grades, also not corresponding to increased reading scores, but actually decreased reading scores. Um, increased use of social-emotional learning. Mm. Increased emphasis on... On cultural topics rather than actual, you know, time spent learning. So all of these things really factor together, mm-hmm. but they certainly don't bode well no. for the students of Minnesota. And I
2: think that what you are trying to illustrate is something that we've talked about on the show a few times, which is um, there's a, there's a certain nostalgia that we all have. For um, the vast majority of us, mm-hmm. um, both of us attended public schools right. um, that were historically uh, good, mm-hmm. um, and just to recognize, you have to recognize when things have changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't live with the nostalgia of the past and thinking that it it worked. You know, and maybe it did for the time, mm-hmm. um, but but that isn't what is happening now in the classroom. And there's a point where you do have to look at how much, how much more data do you really need? Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, in all honesty, yeah. How much more data do you need to see that our average public school, and maybe private schools too. This is what we're talking about—public schools mm-hmm. for right now. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, we need to look at how is time being spent at school. You know, if you want to get really philosophical, which is not necessarily the goal of this podcast, particularly today, but what is the what is the purpose of a school?
1: That's exactly where I was. Oh god, go. no! that's so all funny. Right, that everyone. two of us think the yes. same. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what is the purpose of a school? Because how many times exactly. have we said, "How are these, the purpose of education? How are
2: these poor teachers supposed yeah. to have the time with all of the different mandates and requirements?" For a variety of different cultural awarenesses and sensitivities, and then of course we have the disciplinary or lack thereof um, abilities for them. So that takes up a huge amount of their time.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, where where is their time for actual Teaching. academics? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Isn't that what we're supposed to be doing in school? But I think we've lost this vision of so schools schools are limited in what they can what they can do. Yeah. And yep. we all need to have that understanding, particularly as parents. Um, schools can only do so many things, just like we as parents. Um, you know, if we are if we as parents are not homeschooling our kids, we under we're doing that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I made that particular choice because we looked at what we were good at um, in our home and and maybe some areas that we weren't good at, and and made a decision of okay, here here are the things we are going to focus on, the things that we're strong at, and then you know we're going to uh, outsource. Some of these things
1: that <laughs> such as reading, writing, math, yeah. science, yeah. the <laughs> academic
2: stuff, the <laughs> academic stuff. Yes. We want to do that. Um, and, but understanding just, you know, schools are not a panacea of, they are not there
1: to just to raise the child. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, when we talk about this, I feel like I need to also just mention that to make it really sink in. hmm that as measured by these last test scores the 2023 mca test scores 50.3% of tested students in the state of minnesota do not meet grade level reading standards 50% mm-hmm. of flip, the students flip a coin heads or tails yeah, yeah. and then it's even worse for math 54 per, 54.7% do not meet grade level standards so, you know, this idea, well, you know, not my district. My district is good. My district is good. Everybody always thinks their own district is good. And that's because you know the people. You know the teachers. You know, you, you know, you know um, it's, a, it's a relational thing. Yes. You feel good about them. You trust them. It's not just a um, statistic. It's, it's not just a statistic. But you do need to ask your districts, how are our students performing? And I'll tell you what, Abigail, we have a family at our school at Liberty Classical Academy, who actually asked that question of their superintendent in their particular district a couple of years ago. And she was really stunned by the response. She said, how are our MCA scores? How are our reading scores? How are our math scores? And the superintendent wrote back and said, well, you know, we really don't emphasize that anymore. The state of Minnesota has changed the way they view what success looks like. And they have now decreased the emphasis on the MCA scores. And what they've increased the emphasis on is attendance records. That's one. Like, really? Like, Mm -hmm. what just, okay, attendance factors into success, Mm -hmm. but certainly that doesn't measure success. And so for them to be looking at attendance records and trying to remember what the other things were. This was a couple of years ago that she shared this with me. But the MCAs absolutely, according to this superintendent, in writing, by the way, this was in writing that she received this response, um, was that, well, the MCAs, we don't emphasize those as much in the state of Minnesota. So now that puts even more onus on the parents because Mm -hmm. you're not necessarily going to hear about those MCAs. They're not going to be highlighted for you in maybe your district newspaper. Or if they are, they might be buried on the last page or something mm-hmm. like that. And so, you know, if you care about actual learning, mm-hmm. that you want your child to be learning to read and learning their math and um, becoming successful students so that they can go off and have successful lives after college or after after high school, whether that be college or trade school or something else, um you have to really be vigilant and ask those questions. You cannot assume, especially with these kind of test scores, if 50% of the state of Minnesota students are not proficient in reading and 54.7% are precision, proficient in math, you can't assume that your district is doing well mm-hmm. today. I mean, those numbers are astonishing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's, really, it's really concerning for our poor families here in the state of Minnesota. It is. Mm-hmm. It is, and
2: I mean, it's. It's just. It's not. It's not happy news. But I think we often talk about let's let's really take a look at what is, even mm-hmm. if it's hard, mm-hmm. because then you can figure out a plan. Mm-hmm. You know what is that? You know whatever it is that that looks like for your family. You can't make a plan to try to change the situation until you recognize.
1: There's what the problem is. You have to recognize just just like alcoholism, you have to Ah, recognize you have a problem. (laughs) I thought it would lighten the mood Ah. just a little bit here. (laughs) But one of the other things that I want to point out um, is that the the amount of spending on education during the same period of time. Mm in the state of Minnesota. Well, I mean, it probably went way dramatic. way down, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah wait, right. We, I right. mean, we haven't we invested must, enough We in have to education. put more money towards education. Wait, Just wait have a minute. to. And, you know, and you can see these gigantic, you know, increases after 2019, actually. Yeah, or, yeah 2019, all of a sudden, you see these dramatic increases in um, per-pupil spending and cash spending on education. And yet that... When you look at the graph, it's almost sad because you see this huge spike in spending and then a huge decrease dip. spike dip dips yeah not not spike thank you <laughs> dip the dip the opposite <laughs> the way the dip yep. the opposite way in the reading and math scores and so you know there's there's such a common theme that we hear over and over the drumbeat the drumbeat we have to spend more money we have to spend more money it's for the kids it's for the children it's for the children. And yet all that money continues to increase. The spending continues to to increase. And yet the test scores continue to decrease. And back to your earlier point, at some point we have to face the reality of what's really happening and we have to stop the bleeding mm-hmm. and say, okay, let's stop and take a look. Obviously, whatever we're spending this money on, it's not helping. It's not making an impact. Yes. Guys, I got to
2: tell you, if you keep going... if you pay for a gym membership. Maybe you even want to be ser- super serious about your health so you spring for a, a personal trainer yeah. so that you can really learn the skills you want to take your health under control. I got to tell you guys, if you show up to the gym every day and by Christmas, you're up 20 pounds. <laughs>
1: That's a depressing <laughs> that, thought. You're, you're going in the wrong mm-hmm, direction, guys. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so this yeah. really is kind of the culmination of a vast majority of the topics that we've chatted about before. Um, as Rebecca said, this is not a this is a multifaceted problem. It's not straightforward. We can look at anything from how our how are our schools teaching reading mm-hmm. to are our teachers able to have a uh, undistracted environment to right. what is the actual content? You can look at a whole bunch of different factors. but the this data, just ties Mm -hmm. it all together in a Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: bow. We are spending on average nearly $15,000 per child. I want every parent to think about, you know, if you've ever thought about uh, maybe changing schools and you look at the price tag at at various private schools and you're trying to figure out, oh my gosh, that feels like just, I don't even know how we would make that work for Mm -hmm. our family. The state of Minnesota spends an average of, average, yeah. Of $15,000 per child, and the results are barely, mm-hmm. and not even half of them are proficient at grade level reading and math. Mm-hmm. What do you think you could do if you had $15,000 a year of your money back? It is your money, mm-hmm. and you were able to choose the school
1: mm-hmm. for
2: your child. Do you think you could find something better? that would serve your child
1: better. Mm-hmm. And you know what, that, that obviously leads to the obvious conversation of any type of school choice legislation. And in the state of Minnesota, that's been tried a number of times with no success other than, you know, that we have the school choice of charter schools and open enrollment um, and I think, you know, a little bit of tuition uh, uh feedback, or not feedback, return if you are of a certain income level. Um, But any effort to provide real choice to students and families in in the state of Minnesota always gets met with the brick wall of the Minnesota State Teachers Unions. Mm -hmm. And I find it just really appalling because if you were to break down these test scores, most certainly you're going to see the worst problem in some of these inner city public school um, districts. And that being said, all the more of those kids should be given an opportunity mm-hmm. to have a real education. That is the great equalizer. There's all this talk about equity mm-hmm. and inclusion. And yet we don't want to do the most obviously equitable thing. And that is allow these kids to go to a school where they're actually going to be able to learn, to read, write, and do mm-hmm. arithmetic. Um, I, I don't understand the disconnect there. I can't imagine um, being willing to hold up my hand against these families who have so little um, options in front of them and say, nope, nope, don't want you being able to go to a different school. I don't want you to be able to go into a private school. Um, absolutely not. You're going to stay in these public schools. Doesn't matter if they're failing, because well, we're going to give you more money. We're mm-hmm. going to give the teachers more money. We're going to we're going to put more money in the district, and that's going to help you. But yet, over and over and over and over, that's been shown that it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, your point that you know we need to be able to provide these kids an option. is is really an important point. Mm -hmm. Um, There was another comment that I was going to make about all of this, and um, that was also the fact that the 2023 legislative session um, passed (laughs) yet more money, a historic Mm -hmm. education spending budget of $23.2 billion. Mm -hmm. Not for the next 10 years, not for the next five years, but for the next two years. And that includes $2.6 billion in new funding. And so I look at that and I think, okay, do they look at any of the research to decide before they make these decisions? Um, do they think this is just the politically popular thing to do? Um, the only redeeming value of that that bill that I ever heard of was that there was some new legislation for some reading requirements as to how we could teach, how, how reading can be taught in the state of Minnesota that is hopefully going to be, um, a better, a better way to allow these kids to get some good reading programs because, as I said, the reading scores have been going down for quite a while and much of that is because how the students have been taught to read and, We've covered this topic yes. extensively. Yes. If you um,
2: all are ever interested, um, we were so lucky to have on the show uh, maybe last spring. Mm-hmm. You can go back through our podcast um, and the title would be Sold a Story. Mm-hmm. There's an excellent, it's, a, it's kind of a mini series in podcast form, so it's a great thing to Put in your earbuds while you're folding laundry or mowing the grass or whatever it is that you need to do. But it's really a very—it's honestly, it is a surprisingly interesting. It is very interesting. It sounds like a dry topic, um, but it's actually very interesting. Stories. Yes, it's Mm -hmm. very well done, and it really goes into the nitty gritty of um, why it is that we used to in the United States public schools teach the vast majority, the bulk of our reading was done through teaching phonics, and now it is not. Mm -hmm. And um, we have a whole, you know, two or three generations now of public educators that really are, generally speaking, unaware how unscientifically based the current formula is so they use something it's called um it has a couple of different terms uh but it's um well it used to be whole language yes whole language and they've called it a few different things queuing theory is another Mm -hmm. so but if you go to the sold sold a story we've done an inter two interviews with the author of that um kind of that again podcast mini series um but if you look that up on if you look up just sold a story in your podcast Mm -hmm. it will pull up Mm -hmm. It's very well done, and it's very illuminating. Mm-hmm. It, it does have a lot of good anecdotes from um, educators who are floored yeah. when they find out that so much of the the materials that they learned from, that they referenced in when they were in the school of education when they were obtaining their teaching degree, how few of it was actually scientifically based, and mm-hmm. is now actually debunked. Mm-hmm. And they had no idea. So again, it's not necessarily their fault. Um but that would be fantastic if we were able to move in the state of Minnesota more to a very heavy phonics base which again is scientifically proven so the story goes into that actually talking to, you know, people that study how people learn to read. Mm-hmm. And phonics is what, you know, if you want to call it this way, it makes The most areas in 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 the brain light up Mm -hmm. um, with that comprehension and having it sink in. So it's really an interesting and uh, well done um, piece of work. We hope more educators
1: will listen to it and and really with an open mind. Mm -hmm. You have to have an open mind because actually I think one of the reasons why there was this disconnect is because a lot of the research the real the research on reading that was really demonstrating how children learn to read was coming out of more of the neuropsych world. And education departments were doing their own research on reading programs and not looking at it from a brain perspective. They were looking at it more from what they thought they were observing, mm-hmm. help or not help. And this whole cueing strategy um, developed out of a, from a woman in New Zealand who became just this phenom and it sounds like she still is highly Mm -hmm. respected amongst educators even across the nation here but as educators are waking up and and as the research on um, neuropsychology and how kids learn and how they learn to read in particular is becoming a little bit more widespread um more and more educators are realizing okay no wonder i haven't really seen the results that i was expecting mm-hmm. to see and some of them feel terribly guilty because they taught kids this way for years and years and years and and you know they think about the kids who struggled mm-hmm. and it's heartbreaking when it's heartbreaking enough if it's done out of naivete mm-hmm. it becomes i mean and to me you know almost criminal to continue to go down that path when the brain research is so obvious. Mm-hmm. And yet because of some of the curriculum companies that still sell some of these products and there's, there's a lot of, um, um, I guess, motivation for them to continue selling these products. And what could that, that motivation difficult? be? Huh. Oh, certainly not. Money? No. <laughs> Just saying. They always say, follow the money. Follow, follow the money, money um, Yeah, yeah. But that to say, I am very glad to know that at least as part of this huge legislative pack- package here on education in Minnesota last uh, spring, that there is some money that is going towards overhauling the literacy education and how reading is taught. But there still has to be some oversight of that and what is really being emphasized because there's just a, there's a, a natural affinity to st- kind of stick with what you know. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, it's really unfortunate for the kids. Um, the other, the other thing that I think is important for us to talk about here at the end of our show here, Abigail is just the influence and you touched on it briefly, but the influence of behavior in the classroom you know, mm-hmm. if we're looking at 50% of kids are reading at grade level in Minnesota, and then 54.7% ki- of kids are not at math grade level. So that says how many are, mm-hmm. what is that, 54, you know, 37 or 36, something like that, or percent mm-hmm. are, or 46, I guess it would be, are mm-hmm. at math level or at, at the proper grade level for math, 46%. That's really a stunning. How much of a factor is what we are seeing happening in our schools today too, where there is so much emphasis on DeI diversity, um, equity and inclusion in the sense of not wanting to discipline? You know, we've had lots of conversations about this on the show too, that you know we have a, a, you know, a stabbing or at, at Harding High School where someone actually dies. And um, that's an extreme version, but then we have story after story. Of families and um, teachers who are frustrated because even in some of the best districts historically, the lack of discipline is just epidemic. Mm -hmm. And how can kids learn, even if they were using the proper methods, Mm -hmm. right? Even if we had the right reading programs and the right math programs, Mm -hmm. all things perfect in that regard. And you aren't going to discipline kids and they don't have the ability to
2: discipline kids. Right. Um, and, you know, I hope everyone hears that this is, is it compassionate for the kids that really need this education? And maybe some want it, maybe some don't, but it's our job as the adults in the room to say, you know, this is yeah. why we're here. We're here to yes. do math. I'm, you know, the, the math teacher's job is to teach math. Mm -hmm. Um, and yes you hope that they use compassion with the kids you hope that they can be some form of a mentor for them you know Mm -hmm. in in some regard but really their job is to teach math Mm -hmm. just like their job is to teach history or reading or physical education Um, these it is the ultimate compassion to want to give those kids those academic Mm -hmm. skills because Mm -hmm. we know that that will propel them and Forward and give them the most options as they move into adulthood Mm -hmm. for whatever path, you know, using their gifts and talents in whatever path Mm -hmm. um, life has for them.
1: And being productive members of society so that they're not ending up having to be supported by society instead. Learning is everything. Yes. Education is the great equalizer. Well, folks, we are out of time and I, you know, I'm glad that we could have this conversation to enlighten families and Minnesotans about these test scores because I don't think it's out there too publicly today. So uh, listen to this podcast and other podcasts wherever you listen to podcasts like Spotify and iTunes and what have you. Have a great night, everyone. Thank you
2: so much.